0: Roll ww.b2radio.com Execute Order
1: sixty-six Greetings, greetings, salutations, and welcome back again to the Order 66 podcast. This is episode 6.
2: Yes, it is. What is up, Gamer Nation? I am GM Chris, and with me as always is my clever companion and uh, gamer extraordinaire, as well as our tech wizard, GM Dave. That would be me. How you doing, man?
1: Well, you know, I'm here. Um, I I understand. you, You had a pretty interesting day today. I did have an interesting day today. We... We called the Audible that we thought we were going to call, and at the end of last week's show, if some of you remember, we were talking about when good games go bad, and talking specifically about one of our forum posters named Ardith, who gave us his interpretation of how he got very upset with his DM. And so we put out an open call, say, hey, if you guys both want to come on the show, we will postpone our, our scout discussion until next week, and lo and behold, they both got a hold of us.
2: Absolutely. And it was, we really want to thank, and we're, we're going to get to this later in the episode, but Ardith and uh, his GM, Dirk Arkham, uh, both forum posters, uh, got on, and I understand had a pretty good conversation uh, with you today um, regarding the details of that, and we're going to get to that later on. But we, uh, we, we got a
1: lot of good stuff to talk about today as well. We really do. I'm very excited about it. The interview, albeit it started a little bit late, and, uh, you know, one of the beauties, and, okay, off-topic alert right here, off-topic. One of the beauty... Of the of this forum is that I get to talk to, 116 people, plus whatever assorted other people that are going to download the cast this week, in like 17 different countries, and I get to tell them all that Taco Cabana, is the most poorly run organization, on the history, in the history, and (laughs) anywhere in the North Texas area because, I was supposed to meet with these guys at noon our time, six o'clock their time. And I figure I had plenty of time to go get breakfast for my girls. And uh, so I took off, went to Taco Camino at 11.30. At 12.02, I finally got to place my order. And they said, oh, we don't do breakfast anymore. I said, it's 12.02, and I've been waiting in line for like 26 minutes. Well, I'm sorry, we're out. Okay. That reminded me of that movie Falling Down where the guy shot up the place.
2: Hey, well, you know, you don't want to go postal. That could be pretty bad.
1: I know, I know. But I was, ah, man, I was fit to be tied. So now, you know. You know, coming from the banking industry, you know, unhappy people typically tell 22 people that they're upset. Happy people tell seven that they're happy. Well, I just told 116 that I was unhappy. So don't go to Taco Kamana. And now,
2: and I'm if sorry. there's not a, yes, and if there's not a Taco Kamana near you, um, encourage them not to build one.
1: Don't even visit their website. Okay. <laughs>
2: Now, back to the Order 66 podcast. Back to the Order 66 podcast, (laughs) yes. Well, discussions of Taco Cabanas and Miss Breakfast aside, as Dave alluded to, we have a lot to talk about in the show today. We are going to be spending most of our show with this continuation of our discussion of When Good Games Go Bad, and we are indeed tabling our discussion of the Scout class until most likely next week, just because we've had a lot of you get on the forums and post about a real desire to to really get into the Scout. Um, It's a lot of people's favorite class, and we want to devote a full episode episode to it we don't want to to half-ass it so yeah, basically right that's the bottom line so we, we are going to in addition uh to when good games go bad discuss um something else you guys have been asking about a, a little quick discussion of um using droid pcs in your games and some of the pratfalls and uh problems to potentially avoid there as well as some ways to maximize them so that's that'll right. be pretty good as well
1: and we're gonna wrap up by talking about my favorite little frog people the gamorians
2: <laughs> I call them pig people. Pig people, the people? people, They are green. That's they are charming.
1: green. I, you know what? I don't care. But some people say they got the shaft. I personally don't think so because I've never seen any of them do anything but be a guard in the movie.
2: <laughs> well, you and I can disagree with that more when we get to our D twenty docking bay. Well, okay. But before we move on to things here, I uh, I think time. I just might yeah have a little piece of mail here.
1: Oh boy. From across the galaxy, it's time for postcards from Commander Cody. So, what does the mailbag hold this week? Well, let's
2: take a look. Alright. Is it me or are these Imperial postal stamps getting more expensive? Yeah, they went up again. Yeah, no kidding. Well, this is kind of. Ooh. Well, this is a very sleek looking uh, black postcard. Uh, with a picture of a late nightscape on it, and it says uh, Come while away the nights on Narshada. Narshada. Narshada, The the planet of the huts, yes. Well, one of the planets of the huts, yes. Nice. Uh, you know, Den of smugglers alike. Let's see what Cody's got to say. Um Dear GM Dave and GM Chris. Thank you for using my name first. <laughs> Cody. Um, <laughs> we are on Nar Shada this week uh, to accompany the chancellor to the Huts no limit hold'em sabak game. <laughs> okay. It is a very restricted event and there are a lot of people here. Me and the clones are upset because they will not let us stand next to the chancellor as he plays. I Speak to the Twilek guards about it, but they keep telling me, "Lejaba no baba." I don't know what that means, but it is annoying. Yeah, that's all right. That's all right. Nar Shadda is very dark and very mysterious and an interesting place to visit, but I would not want to live here. Okay. Hmm. I hope to talk to you soon, and thank you for mentioning me on your show, your friend, Commander Cody.
1: How does he have time to download our show?
2: That's Yeah, that's kind of the first reference he's made to it, isn't it? I think we were published on the Holonet for the first time. That's true. Oh, that's, that's I didn't know that. Okay, cool. Well, Cody, thanks. Thanks for the postcard. Um, I hope uh, I hope you know that uh, that the uh, the Chancellor uh, is able to to you know win the tournament and you know maybe put some money back into the Galactic Treasury that he's slowly draining to pay for more clones. Uh, in uh, in other news, uh, uh, we we appreciate it and, and thank you very much for the postcard. Yes, thank you. Moving on. Oh, speaking of other news and and technicals, I think we have a, an exciting new announcement to make um, in, in way of, of of contact. If I'm not mistaken, is that correct, Dave?
1: Oh, that we do. And we actually,
2: uh, yeah, we have a what is it? A phone number now? We have a phone number,
1: and it's off my screen, Chris. So go ahead.
2: Oh yes um it is uh, actually if you're if you're on this side of the pond if you're in the states um you can give us a call at 206-600-5872 or again 206-600-lusa and that's l u s a um This is a voicemail, to be frank. You are not going to get a hold of anyone if you call this, but uh, for those of you who don't post on the forums and really you know, maybe you don't like to or don't want to and you still want to have a question or make a comment about the show or bring something up, you can give this number a call and uh, leave a message, and we will get it. If you are overseas, if you are across the pond in the Europe area, of course uh, the uh, international calling code for the U.S. is 001. Uh, followed by the number, 206-600-5872. And if you're somewhere else in the world listening, and we know there are many of you that are, I there are many different calling codes for the U.S. where you are. So Google it. If you're listening to the podcast, you're probably pretty tech savvy. So. That's right.
1: <laughs> We're really excited about being able to, to, to play uh, voicemails on the air, and we will do it. Trust me. We will yes, do So
2: please, yes, please don't please don't leave the voicemail if you don't want to hear your own voice. And, uh, of course, don't leave a voicemail just to hear your own voice. We're not going to play every single one on the air. <laughs> right. But uh, the community, I really hope a lot of you guys take advantage of this. The The community that we've seen growing up, you know, we talked about this last week, Dave, has just been quite incredible. We've yep. seen such an explosion on the forum. So many people are getting on there and really listening to the podcast. Um, and the, the community is just growing and growing. And on that note, last week, I know we took the opportunity to uh, give you guys a highlight on a great... A great website with a lot of wonderfully designed uh, NPCs by a lot of members of the Star Wars community. And it was a site maintained by Matt Lee. And we had that site up um, actually as a link on our links page of our, our website, which of course is www.d20radio.com. Uh, That site has actually been updated. One of the members of our community, turns out, is one of the contributors to that site, Um, and uh, he notified us that uh, there is an updated version of the site, which is a lot simpler. We have updated the link uh, on our page so you can get to it, but the updated site is http colon forward slash forward slash saga hyphen edition dot com.
1: Right, and that link is updated on the blog page.
2: Yes, but uh, we want to thank uh, you know, we want to thank Donovan Morningstar, the, the user who is is a contributor on Matley's site and also updated that information with us to to let us know you know and keep our community going strong. And he is. A and, yeah, our community has continued to go strong, yep. and many of you have been posting, and uh, several questions have been asked on the forums. Finally, I've been waiting because, you know, like you say, Dave and I lurk a lot of different forums. We lurk a lot of different message boards, you know, regarding Saga Edition as well as other games. And one of the most hotly debated topics um, regarding things right now is the issue of droid PCs. And that's the discussion we're going to move into right now. That's right. And, uh,. Droid PCs, I think they are, are a lot of fun. I have only had the chance, and this is kind of unfortunate because they, they play such an important role in the movies, um, but droids have really – I've only had the chance to GM them probably three times. I've only ever GM three droid PCs, um, and I, I have yet to play one under the new system. Um, and after seeing some of the posts and reading some stuff, I think I'm going to. But we want to take a moment to talk about some of the pros and the cons and some of the things to watch out for if you're a player and a GM and some of the things to take advantage of and maybe avoid. Righto. Righto. Uh, well, basically, and one of the most hotly debated questions regarding this is are is droid PCs balanced? Um, and that's really depending on you, the GM, and, and how it's run. In terms of the pros and cons, let, let's start with the pros. Droids are. Unlike any other playable race, I mean if you can consider them that, in, in several other ways, you know, you don't have racial abilities, you can sort of make yourself and build yourself. And uh as such, you also are have the ability to be repaired, and this kind of puts you ahead of the curve. Now what that means is that you can use the mechanic skill to repair yourself every hour if need be. Um, according to the you know the, the core rulebook, basically you can make a repair check every hour um, to heal you know a droid hit points equal to its character level, and the rules are completely silent on how often you can do this. Uh, as compared to natural healing, where it says you know you can only you, know, you can rest and and heal this much per day. Um, literally, the rules say that this mechanics check can be made every single hour. So what this means is that a, a dedicated droid that doesn't need to sleep and and you know is willing to take a minus five on their mechanics check to repair themselves, they can heal through repair at a rather astounding rate. Uh, in addition, they don't need to eat, they don't need to breathe, they have very easy maintenance requirement, um, you know, they only need to, to power down a rest one hour out of every hundred of operation, which is which is amazing. And, uh, you know, they, they can even extend that even longer through some, the use of some tech they can, they can add on to themselves, and that's pretty amazing. Um, other amazing pros of playing a droid character is upgradability. Um, I mean, although you you start with specific accessories and parts, you know, up to a thousand creds, you can outfit yourself. The rules state that you still have your starting creds for your class as well, and you can use those to outfit yourself further as a droid. And there's a serious potential here. I want to alert you know some some players and some GMs about this. This is one of the one of the players I GM that played a droid. He played a droid noble, and it was pretty much broken because yeah. he picked the wealth talent. You know, yeah. immediately at first level, and Dave, you were in this campaign. You remember this? I do, and I even agree it with just, it. Yeah, yeah. It, it was just disgusting. The, the guy, the guy bought. You know, I mean, shielding and armor and and you know, weaponry and and all kinds of stuff. He was he was more of a match than just about anyone else out there, just based on purely his gear, and uh, it, it was it was wild.
1: He was the Barry uh-huh. Bonds of the R two D two world.
2: Yes, he was. Uh, And it it is, you know, it's one of those things, you know, if you're looking for a a powerful character and your GM's comfortable with it, a destroyed noble is really not a bad idea. Um, At the very least, if you want to dip one level in it just to pick up that talent, uh, you know, the wealth talent will allow you to continually upgrade yourself. And that's amazing. Um, Likewise, that upgrading correlates with it, uh, the ability to reprogram yourself. Droids are the only... Character that can relearn or you know feats and, and skills simply by you know with, with a used computer check and th- that's pretty amazing. It's expensive to buy a, a skill package or a feat package to to you know upload into yourself, but you know again if you have that wealth talent you know you can you can afford it pretty easily and you can be a pretty amazing character. Right. Um, yeah. The last set of pros of course would be the fact that you're a droid. Uh immune you're a non living creature, you don't have to breathe, you don't have to eat, a vacuum doesn't mean too terribly much to you. Uh you're immune to stunning and mind affecting things, poison, disease, radiation, all that. Now as far as the cons <laughs> Dave, what do you think would be the biggest con to playing a droid?
1: Well, it's my it's my only con that really would keep me from ever playing a playing a droid is that uh, more often than not, my characters will become force sensitive at some point in time because I simply can't resist it. But there's no way you can do that with a droid.
2: No, there's no way. And of course, there's no force race at all. You can never take a level in a Jedi class. You are banned from the force sensitivity feat. And you know, if you're so if you you know if you're wanting to play the most iconic, arguably the most iconic class in the Star Wars, uh, you know, universe, or you know, follow the path of the force, that's kind of banned from you. Um, now, some people don't consider this a con, but I kind of do, and I want to talk about why. You have no con score. Oh, yeah. Now, this is, this is important. Um, you know, your, your constitution score is not set at zero. You literally have none. You have five ability scores instead of six. And this is why this is kind of important. First of all, it's going to equate to serious substandard hit points. You're not going to be adding any constitution score when you roll up your hit points. All right? So you are going to be, on average, weaker than anyone else who takes your class. Squishy squishy. Um, But then again, of course, you can modify that with, you know, armor Armor, shields. If you, if you do that, you're allowed to do that. Now, this doesn't affect your fortitude defense because the rules specifically state that a droid adds their strength modifier to their fortitude defense. But the rules are conspicuously silent on whether or not the strength modifier gets added to con-based skills. It is not covered in the core rulebook, and the designers have had no errata on it, no official ruling. So it's kind of up to you as a GM. Now, I have gained with GMs that have basically said, "Listen, if you're a droid, you you know, just same as fortitude defense, use your strength modifier in place of your constitution modifier for con-based skills." Me, personally, as a GM, I don't rule that the case. If you have a con skill and you have no con bonus, you have no con bonus. You can train in the skill, you can take skill focus in the skill, but you just get no con bonus for it. I mean, that's how I run it. In my opinion, just personally, the way I run it, that balances everything else out. Because, again, having no con score is a disadvantage to being a droid, and it should remain as such, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, my dear. Yeah.
2: I mean uh, and now one thing though and I, this actually came up in our game Dave uh because the the uh the droid we were working with he also took a level of scout and uh, he wanted to pick up shake it off and that of course has a constitution prerequisite right. in 13. Well, when you don't have a con score what are you going to do? Right. And uh I mean do you recall how we how we managed that?
1: I think we used um quite honestly no. Did we use a strength a strength modifier instead?
2: It, if I recall, yeah. That um, you know, basically, uh, kind of the fortitude, you know, uh, defense substitution. If you know, for for the, and that's, that's pretty much the only thing that has a con prereq of thirteen. Basically, the droid would have to have a strength prereq of thirteen to to go ahead and pick up that talent. I have gamed with GMs though, Dave, that that literally say, you know what, you're a droid. Sorry, you can't ever pick up that that bonus feat. Sorry.
1: And that's what I and, would do. Uh,
2: yeah, I mean, again, it's kind, of, it's kind of up to you in terms of how you want to do it and how you want to treat the droids. Right. Um, what, what's some other cons you can think of for playing with a droid, Dave? Well, their property and the fact that you can
1: pretty much disable them with an ion cannon.
2: <laughs> yeah, ion vulnerability is a pretty big one. Um, and the last one you mentioned is kind of the crux of this and kind of where I want to end this discussion on It's something to really think about. They are property. The galactic view of droids is pretty stark. Now, this is kind of odd if you think about this from a real, you know, metagame perspective. This is possibly one of the few, you know, heavily played RPGs that I've ever played where a mechanical balance issue is adjudicated through fluff through you know literally the the storyline of the galaxy you know droids are so incredibly amazing and they have the potential to be so broken well one of the main ways it's clear that the designers you know balance that is the fact that droids are property the fact that you know at best they're considered second class citizens if they're a you know a free roaming droid and worst case scenario they're simply property that can be shut off sold or memory wiped by their owner as they see fit And uh, this can create massive confusion and anger at the table sometimes. So just something to be aware of. Most players don't often care for their characters to be treated as property. People often have a very big personal investment in their characters. And if you're a hardcore role player and you're down with that, that's fine. But it's one of those things that as a GM... You're going to want to talk to. I would recommend you seriously have a talk with any player that wants to play a Druid PC and talk about how you know things are going to be running in your game, and what kind of what what they're expecting to happen. You know.
1: Yeah, I remember uh, on the on the forum it was D and D Rockstar I think that said uh, you better hope somebody doesn't have a magnet nearby. <laughs>
2: yeah, I mean you know you. There's there's things that that come around. I mean, you know, yes, magnets. You know, ion cannons. You know, hey, they're immune to stunning. You know, but you know, but they're vulnerable to ions. You know, and it, it, that's kind of the general view that most you know NPCs are going to have. You know, supposedly in the, in the Star Wars galaxy. You know that you know, oh hey, well, you don't have a magnet nearby, <laughs> you'll 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 disable them. You know, hey, those the, your, your kind aren't allowed in here. You know, right. And um, it it, it can create you know some problems. So again, if you're going to play a droid character, be sure to clear it with your GM and talk to them. Find out how your GM is going to play the world and how they're going to treat droid characters because you could find yourself very angry sitting at a table when, you know, your character is being treated a certain way and is not able to accomplish things other players aren't simply by virtue of being a droid. Right. Well, Dave, I think that just pretty much finishes up our segments there. What are we going to move into? We're going to go to the second
1: part of a a now a two-week process of a segment that we lovingly call
2: When Good games Go Bad
1: Okay, Howard had to yell again. I hate you, dude. (laughs) (laughs) But in this case, actually, we're going to uh, go into an interview that we had earlier today with Ardith and Dirk Arkham from our forums from Chesham, England and this launches into some of the dm or gm railroading issues that we talked about last week i'm anxious to hear all right and we will see you on the other side okay joining us this afternoon or This evening, in their case, are Ardith and Dirk Arkham from the forums of D20 Radio. And as you may or may not have known, some of you listeners of the last couple of podcasts, we've had some When Good Games Go Bad segments, and the talk has really revolved around circa 4000 aby the order which has a, a very long stream of posts to it right now on the d20 radio forums uh and these are the two key players uh Ardith has a character in the campaign and dirk is the gm and uh, we want to welcome both of you guys to the show Hi. um Artith. um tell us a little bit about yourself how long you've been playing where you're from all that good stuff uh, uh
0: i've been Gaming for about five years, but probably sitting down to pen paper RPGs for about a year now. Um, Star Wars has always been a uh, first love. Come from Chesham, just north of uh, London. You, it's pretty easy to get into there and get all the new um, books from Orc's Nest and Forbidden Planet and places like that. Yeah, so it's just. Game, gaming has sort of taken over.
1: Oh yeah, I can understand. <laughs> it's, uh, it's that way with all of us and most of our listeners, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dirk, you're also from Chesham. Um, a little bit yeah. about your
3: background. Yeah, um, live almost down the road from uh, Arde. Um Started paper RPGing um, about the same time. I think Star Wars was my first system, but it was the uh, the old edition of it before Saga came out. Um, yeah. Like I love I love Star Wars. Uh, been a big fan. So, um, wasn't a big leap to start role playing into it, so same town, um same hobbies, really, so gotcha, there we go,
1: okay, and uh, you are the g m uh, in this particular campaign, Dirk, and give us a little bit of a background on the campaign and how you came up with it for those of us that or those listeners that either one have not uh read about it on the forum or have not listened to the last couple of episodes
3: yeah, um, basically. Uh, coming up with a new system to run with um, Ardith and one of our friends, James. And um, Ardith actually knows more about the Star Wars universe than I do. And James doesn't like messing with canon, like myself. I don't really like messing with canon and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I thought if I said it 4,000 years in the future, after the films, you know, I'd avoid that. So basically, it's set in a galaxy that's very similar, like... Technologically, um, almost the same. Jedi and the Sith are just rooms, though. That's one of the major differences. Um, You know, you don't have, like, really any relics or anything like that. Through the years, they've just been lost, pillaged, destroyed, whatever, in wars. You know, the the campaign started, I've got two groups in this setting. I run... this group with uh, and Ardith and James and then another group and for both of them it started out um, they'd heard rumors of an, a, some attacks on planets and um, this you know may be something big and it turns out that they both groups have discovered it, it turns out this it's this group called the Order um, so yeah that's basically the background to the campaign there's now elements of force use coming in which is what I wanted to avoid at the start but it's coming in now um, members of the Order and other NPCs they've met have got it. So yeah, that's basically the campaign.
1: Okay. And now, Artith, from your perspective, your character is named Murdoch. And he was, uh, what, born and raised around Maelstrom?
0: Yeah, born and raised around uh, Maelstrom, where we started the campaign. The initial concept was for the standard pilot mechanic slicer character. In the small background that I thought up for him, he was born and raised around the uh, spaceports, right. so yeah, let's give him a little uh, character. I got gotcha. you. Yeah.
1: Basically, in a nutshell, as tell us a little bit about either one of you. Tell us a little bit about how we found ourselves in the situation that we're in right now.
0: Uh, do you want to uh, Do you
3: want to go? Yeah. yeah. Andy, you took...
0: Well, basically, after hearing the rumors, Murdoch doing what uh, every day's job, just sat uh, sitting in uh, the standard cantina, having a good old Corellian whiskey. Um, when suddenly we get bombs the hell out of just gunfire every all hell breaks loose next thing you know we're getting thrown um, we're thrown behind a bar down a trapdoor through to a secret hangar where there's this massive gunship which Murdoch instantly takes a liking to and decides he wants to steal because <laughs> unfortunately it's guarded um not being the most wisest of characters, he instead of you know, sneaking aboard, doing everything, he decides to walk up and just, you know, bluff his way past the guards. This ends up with him uh, lying on the floor, bleeding out. <laughs> um, af- After a little help uh, from who we later learned was um, a man named Deckard Kane, we eventually escaped in a um, shuttle and headed straight uh, to uh Nar Shaddaa, basically so we could find work and... Based being the hive of Skull and Villain in Arshadar is, we thought this would be the perfect place to learn more about who attacked our home. Accompanying us was Teep K, the uh, Aduro scoundrel, and um, RX-70 Droid Noble. The Droid Noble was being pl- was being played by a friend of ours who's now moved away to um, Japan. No, oh.
3: um, so not to do with my campaign. It wasn't like, oh my god, this campaign's so bad, I'm getting out, and flying off to Japan. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> but event, um, after some a little investigation and some, errand, and some errand running where we head to Tatooine as we reach Tatooine we see the same attack ship fly past us and head in the general direction back towards Nar Shadar. this was terrifying for us because we know there's a huge garrison of order members on Nar Shadar, and it's just getting scary that that ship that gunship that could have easily just blown us out of the sky because our shuttle has no weapon whatsoever just flew past us without even taking another look so after asking uh, asking little rounds finds out that they're probably um some doing some gun running eventually we unite the, eventually we unite uh, the four uh, minor gangs of Narshadar to take on uh, the gar- order garrison and the large fibros gang that the order have allied themselves with. Then comes our base assault. We, after a little planning, we decide uh, to go in through the back door, through the sewer system, thinking that um, a f- uh, an all-up frontal attack would be suicide. Right. Uh, we recruited some mercenaries, including our fourth ca- uh, PC, known as uh, Captain Caff Taegon, uh, head of uh, Tagon's tough and his four of his buddies. Sneaking in through the back, we find a door in the sewer wall leads straight into a bay into a small base area and in the space of about five minutes we're we're in a like a series of long protracted firefights trying to even get in through the door it's just it was that was possibly one of the best fights i've had in a role-playing game and it was one of them really rememberable was when we turned the core when we turned the corner, one of our um, NPC soldiers got gunned down by an E-Web. It was sh- the sheer shock factor of, wow, we really didn't expect that to be there. <laughs> then we learned the usefulness of grenades. Tip for everyone, grenades save lives.
3: <laughs> and end them, of course. Yes, then take them. Uh,
0: yeah, well, saves your lives. <laughs>
3: um, <laughs> Which are the ones we're meant to be saving?
0: Ourselves. We're scoundrels, yeah. leave us a look. Eventually we clear out the level, finding ourselves face to face with bla- uh, various different blaster cannons, including the attack ships. Again, that was a great place to end the session. By the way, Dan, um,
3: <laughs> like like to we, leave it on a cliffhanger. That's right. And you thought
1: you were going to die after this session. Yep.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, so it was the, the sheer fact that we open the door overlooking a ledge, and up hovers a gunship with a very, a very trigger happy looking man behind the g- barrels of a blaster cannon. I pretty much guessed that was the end for this <laughs> character. Luckily, thank through to. There was, uh, <laughs> was a door in the way made of yeah. Unobtainium.
1: Ah, uh, uh, yes, uh, the, the Unobtainium. unobtainium.
0: But a few times I liked Unobtainium. Yeah, eventually we, we found um, these boxes. Now, this is where the, my great frustration came through. Right. And, okay. after, admittedly, after discussing it with uh, Dirk and. Talking it through, uh, we can, I can see that he has some plan for this, and logically, of course, the, with the order being order being so big and all, they would put the best security on every on as much as they can, and it's a very logical reason why they could do this. But it, at the time, it just seems like right, we can't do this, we can't do that, and now there's these silly footlockers on in for grunt footlockers that we can't open even with a pla- a welding torch, and then. The whole blah happened.
3: <laughs> the, whole blah. the whole blah. I was ready yeah, to throttle that. I, I think the problem came about. When I, when I wrote the boxes and uh, the unobtainium doors and such as. Like for, from where I'm standing as the GM I can see why that's happening. Like I know that for whatever reason the order have this uh, resource. Or this, this ability to create whatever it is that makes these uh, boxes. But as from a player i can see it being very frustrating um you know i'm trying this it doesn't work i'm trying this it doesn't work and so i i i do sympathize and i do like understand where all was coming from but at the same time as Ardis mentioned there are like plans behind it all. i guess it's something that people out there in the star wars gming may find problems with but something your listeners might have problems with but right yeah so now as a gm it's often Tough
1: to balance the needs of the players not their characters but the players themselves the actual people in the room against your character driven story so in a word do you think artists frustration was justified and if so what do you think went wrong and if, but if it wasn't justified why do you think they got frustrated
3: is this a reference to the fact that he tried to hack a computer and his skill even though it seemed uh, like it was impossible for well, yeah, it it turned out being impossible for him, but not in a railroading sense right. and I think this I think this question comes about because I believe in your post, Ardith, you mentioned that even though you're a trained mechanic or and splicer, you couldn't get into this computer. and I think there was some frustration there, I think, and I, I can see that being justified, but at the same uh, but at the same time, I think what basically was going on is that the the security was so high tech on that. Um, interface on the computer that even though he's got quite high uh, computer skills, he couldn't get into the computer just purely because of the, how good the order are. And I think um, in my response in the thread, I mentioned that I didn't want to really make, you know, I didn't want to make the order incompetent just so that players could find stuff out. Right. Um. You, you know, because I'm, I'm keen for like, I really want um, the players to find plot and, you know, I don't want to make the the whole reason why we play is to have fun, so there's no point in me making, you know, the order incompetent or sickly hard. And it's getting that balance. And, I, and as the questions, there is definitely a question of do we go for the story or do we go for mechanical concept or fun or whatever. But I don't know, I think, I think there was enough story behind it and enough around in the base itself for, the, for it not to cause enough problems. But then I think Ardith, what's your feelings on it? Well, uh now that you've explained
0: it to me and James, it's I can see where you're coming from, but um at the time it was just start the, the way that saga was written, it was supposed to be a cinematic game. I was sort of expecting, you know, to be part of the movies. And uh one of the arguments that to your point although it was it's a perfectly reasonable point and uh, i think you were you, you are right in the end was that for example when luke and leia are trapped um over the chasm in the death star in the F- a new hope luke shoots the um blaster shoots the lock on the door to keep the stormtroopers out the problem i had with that was if the empire spent so much money building this superweapon. Surely they, um, if the lock's locked on one side, been blown up on the other side, shouldn't they automatically been o- been able to open it on their side? In theory, yes, that should that should have worked. But for the cinematic feel, it wouldn't have worked. When you explains the situation to me, of there's a login screen, um, there's no visible person that uh, with a name tag or a key card or Anything there that seems to you know give an indication of what the password might be? It did kind of feel like, oh, so we've uh, we spent half the session uh, fighting our way in here, taking losses, having to uh, running away from starships, uh, trying to find a, w- a way into the base before, and now we've come to the point where, right, we can actually like download a map or. Fi- find a, a tiny bit of information, like a tiny clue, like um, a, ske- like, uh, a schedule of when the ex is going to be in his office. It just seems a little like, oh, so we've done all this work and now we're not getting anything to move on. Like you said, uh, you, you, we wouldn't want the uh, uh, an incompetent enemy. So I think you were right in the end. and so right. probably a good be why to talk everything out with your GM after, after a, um, a frustrating incident like that.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the I think that's the point that, well, a lot of these posts have gone to is that sometimes careful wording by a GM is is useful. A little bit more backstory sometimes is useful. Uh, in the end, Chris and I kind of looked over this. I think the situation itself was was done correctly, uh, Dirk. I, I I really do. I was there anything there that you think you could have done better at the time?
3: I think maybe a, a a bit of the phrasing of what I was saying. But that's that's purely just like maybe for the like for instance with the the box more than the computer th- screen it was it got to a point where Andy was listing off loads of ideas and it would just be like you know like no like, I think I think there was like some kind of like carelessness just going no that doesn't work no that doesn't work no like that kind of thing not not so undescriptive but I mean which pro- which probably would have um, frustrated a player if it's just a list of no, that doesn't work. No, I th- I think it was set up okay. Maybe maybe some background into like some potential acquiring of information about the order before going into their base. So maybe like if the players knew or had had some previous encounters with how you know paranoid yeah. maybe is the word the the order are. Maybe that would give them. You know some reason to go. Oh, this doesn't work. Oh, I know why because the order are just this good at hiding the information Yeah, this was think, um, our
0: only our, our second encounter with the actual order people um, The first being escaping from Maelstrom. This, this literally we got we did Got some information about the sewer network under Narshtar because we wanted to you know pop up grab grab some uh, Pop up shoot some people grab their take their stuff and then move on to taking out the garrison We didn't. I don't. I think it was much as our fault, uh, uh, as much more our fault than it was Dirk's, because we didn't spend that much time researching the enemy, more researching how to get to the enemy. So I mean, if we had probably done a bit more research or gone to uh, somewhere else and encountered them fighting, we probably would have worked out either a, either a, how to work out the boxes or b why we would couldn't open the boxes. So, yeah.
1: Okay. And have you played again since then?
3: Uh yeah, we played uh, this Monday, didn't we? Yeah. It was this Friday. Monday? Oh, it was Friday. Yeah, of course because our other session got cancelled. That's why. I got um, you. Um ultimately yeah, have
1: so they we... have they learned how to open these boxes now?
0: Not yet. Not yet. yet. <laughs> um I as we were travelling to um the place where we game, um I rattled off a couple more ideas and I uh, on how to open them and eventually um, We got heated argument Eventually he was just about to end up And tell me because he said I had guessed it and eventually I just convinced him Don't tell me if I've guessed it If I've guessed the answer Let's wait until we get in and try it Of course this doesn't mean that it will exactly work But <laughs> <laughs> Well yeah, you narrowed it
3: down to like Four maybe? Out of character yeah. I think As a, uh, yeah. so, so we've got options now uh, so
0: the yeah. thing <laughs> is, at um, the comic shop where we um, go play magic, here um, he's explains the uh, situation to them when I wasn't there, and within about three seconds, everybody, everybody there has had the answer. And I don't know <laughs> because I'm a player and I'm trying to think of it uh, mechanically. Or I don't know. It's just one of those. It's one of those things. I'm sure it's
3: one of those. It's one of those things that it's really easy once you know. But if you don't know, it's quite difficult. So, you know, and if you, if you guess it, then I, I, I think it's just, you know, you have to, excuse the pun, look outside the b- box or whatever. So, you know, there's things, you know, and obviously you've, you've now narrowed it down to a couple of things, one of them being correct. So we'll find out soon enough. Gotcha.
1: Well, um, I want to take the time to thank you guys for coming on the, uh, the podcast and taking part of your Sunday afternoon in England in, uh, in uh, no talking
0: problem. to us. Yes, yeah, uh, no problem. Thanks for having us all. Oh,
3: yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's been <laughs> fun. It was, it, it was so surprising. It's like an invite for a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and like, I, da- people- Carry on. I downloaded the podcast on um,
0: Monday morning here because I was going out and I couldn't have time to sit down and listen to it. I was walking around uh, the shopping centre with uh, a couple of my other friends when I heard you publicly inv- invite us and I... Instantly grabbed my phone and tried to tried to ring uh, Dan up. I was basically jumping around, uh, jumping about like a madman, thinking this doesn't happen to us. <laughs> yeah. but people, we're in we're in England. Uh, for God's sake, we don't. It's the um, you uh, you uh, Americans. They get all, get all the attention and the glory. We don't, yeah. We don't do this.
1: Well, it's fun. Hopefully it's going to set a precedent because, I mean, there's only so much that we can talk about SWSE right now. There's only a couple of books out. There's only so much we can talk about, characters and, and stories and 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 feats and and everything else that goes into the star wars saga edition there's only so much mechanics that we can talk about so bringing the human aspect in and and hopefully this will be the first of many times that we'll have gms and their and their players on the show it, it really sounds like it's going to be kind of a neat uh niche for us to uh, to go into
3: I'd, I'd certainly like to hear other people's campaigns and what other people are doing i posted um on a thread on your forums, someone had come up with this idea of running a game where you play, where the players are spies on a star, star yeah, on a destroyer. star destroyer, yeah. And I, I really like that idea. I, I thought it was really cool. So I'd love to see what other people are doing because there'll be these ideas that I can bring in. And so it, I definitely think you should make it like a permanent segment or something, yeah, or a regular appearance.
1: I think, I think that'll probably be good. Chris and I have talked about it. Perhaps making this every other week or. Yeah, you know, I don't know. It just depends on how the listeners warm up to it. And, and yeah, I think it was yeah. Clacky that you're talking about that had that uh, that idea of, of espionage yeah, on, a, on a Star Destroyer, and that, uh, you know... All these ideas are great, and I we have more than a few GMs that are that are a part of our <laughs> forum. And, and you know, as you guys post and and collaborate on your activities and uh, generate ideas for others, you know, I think that's what we're looking for here. Especially being the first of its kind, you know, this podcast really being the first Star Wars Saga Edition podcast out there. I think Wizards yeah. is going to try and do one, but they're uh, we've been talking about ours for I don't know a couple of months, and then Wizard announced that they're going to do it. So I don't know if they're going to ever get it off the ground or not, but we're off and running. Yeah, yeah uh,
0: I've been looking at that, and it's just they've seen they seem to announce it like a month ago, and they just haven't done anything. Right. I mean, you guys got there first, and it's possibly one of the best better, better podcasts I've heard.
1: Well, thank you. We try our best. <laughs> I I guess talking about the podcast, it, it's it's a labor of love we both enjoy it we both like gaming um i've done podcasts before for other well other genres completely and and uh nothing nothing in the gaming realm so this is a first for me and and i really really enjoy it as well and i'm glad you guys do too we do appreciate it we'll probably have you guys on the show from time to time talking about your adventure and uh you know if uh if it's okay with you guys we'll we'll keep you as a part of the show yeah why
0: not Not
1: awesome all right thank you guys for your time thank you
0: thanks bye
2: so there it is. That was incredible. What an interview! That was awesome. I, I want to say, you know, I mean, I, I just heard this for the first time, and uh, you know, if you, you guys are listening, you know, Ardith, um, you know, Dirk, um, th- that was incredible. It is very clear, and what the crux I think of this was, at least what I took away from it, was the constant struggle that you're going to find in in all RPGs, not just you know Saga Edition, but it seems to be enhanced by SWSA just because this is a A a RPG that is so rooted in a cinematic history Mm -hmm. that when you're trying... the, The conflict that can erupt between the storyteller and the the person participating in the story and, you know, when do you, you know, tr- trying to to preserve those cinematic elements and keep it in balance with the rules. And that's something a that GM constantly has to struggle with. And it's clear, um, Dirk, you know, that you are a fantastic GM who has a, a wonderful story to tell and you, you manage your games well. Um, gosh, I'm, I'm tempted to, to, to fly across the pond just so I can game with you at some point. <laughs> but, I agree. Uh, I agree. It was fantastic. It was fantastic. Thank you both, and uh, th- this is wonderful. We we want to hear what all of you have to say. You um, we know, we we really you know, you guys have taken the time to post so much on the forums. And again, you can go to our website at www.d20radio.com. And, of course, our forum at d20radio.com forum. Uh, and you can post there. You can email either myself or GM Dave at uh, gmchris at d20radio.com or gmdave at d20radio.com. And now you can even call us and leave us a voicemail at, again, 206-600-5872 or 206-600-LUSA. And uh, we really we, we want to hear what you have to say. And uh, this, you know, I, I just love the SWSC community, and the more I play this game, the more I'm I'm finding it to be one of the, the possibly, arguably, the best, cleanest D20 system I've ever played. And as I'm continuing with it, the community itself is turning out to be one of the best gaming communities I've ever gamed with.
1: Yep. So I agree 100%. Awesome. And now it's time to turn our attention to the D20 Docking Bay, and of course that it's- means... Of course, that means that we have to take the chance and call on TK421. I have to issue the obligatory. I have a bad feeling about this, but we'll try it anyway. (laughs) I hope so, too. We'll see. All right, TK421, are you there? Dang it. Hey, man. Hey. All right, cool. Awesome. What's going on? Hey. Oh, man, I'm having a good old time, man. I'll tell you what. And where are we this week?
3: Uh, We're we're on Gamora, man. (laughs) It's hot, man, but there's some damn good barbecue down here. We're grilling up some ribs right now and some pork
0: snaps.
1: Oh, sounds like you guys are having fun. What do those Gamorians think about you guys being there?
2: Well, they really don't like us too terribly much. I I won't hesitate
3: none about that, but damn, there's some good eating.
1: Yeah, they're strong, but they're stupid.
3: Oh yeah, yeah, they're, they're they're pretty dumb, man. They can't even use blasters or nothing, man. Can you
0: believe that?
2: I know. <laughs> oh man. Well, listen, hoser, I can't talk too long. We we, we gotta pin the tail on the Gamorian coming up contest here. But <laughs> but I'll tell you what, uh, you you know, when you get a chance, come down here, some good hunting and some good eating, and uh, and we we got some good barbecue going on right here.
1: All right, buddy, I appreciate it. Right. We will uh, check in with you next week.
2: Later, Hosers. All right. Bye, TK.
1: There he goes, again, almost late, but not really.
2: Eh, not too bad, not too bad. But he does bring up a good point, point. and this is the discussion of our D20 Docking Bay. Um, I've had a couple of you guys post on the forums uh, regarding in our races and classes sections, regarding the Gamorians. Many people think Gamorians, which of course are the uh, pig-like or uh, frog-like, depending <laughs> on how you want to look at them. Uh, the pig-frog people, um, which of course are ubiquitous as the uh, heavy strong-armed ga- guards in uh, Jabba's Palace, of course right. in Tatooine. Um, many people think they got the short end of the stick in this edition, and we want to talk a little bit about why, and possibly some house rules you can do to beef them up just a bit. Now, Dave, you you disagree with this. Tell us why.
1: I I, I don't agree that they got the short end of the stick. I think they are intended to have the short end of the stick because, like I said, they're strong, but they're stupid. I've never seen anything in, in, in Star Wars lore of them being anything other than a guard or something along those lines, and um, and in talking with Dirk and and Artith earlier, one of them said, "Yeah, in a book somewhere, one of them got trained and wound up being an X-wing and that an X-wing pilot." And I'm like, "Okay, great. It was Red Six, and there's Porkins for you. Who cares? You know?" That was <laughs> well, just... I,
2: you know, I, I understand your point in terms of canon in the movies. You know, a Gamorrean never really plays a heroic role. Um, but you know, again, I, and you know, I've read a lot of the fiction. Um, and, and those fans you know, that read a lot of the comics, there have been some Gamorrean heroes in the universe, in the universe, Star Wars universe that have been created. And if you want to play a Gamorrean hero, it could be argued that they really don't have a lot of the benefits that some of the other races do. Mostly because, I mean, listen, th- th- granted, th- they have some nice stuff going for them, okay? Um, they get a plus two racial bonus to their fortitude defense. And for free, they get improved damage threshold as a feat. Just bam. Um, not to mention a plus two to strength. Right. But... On the negatives, and in my, you know, if you if you're talking about in comparison to the other heroic races, you know, regardless of how they fit in canon, if you're trying to keep all the races balanced. In my opinion, they the penalties seem to outweigh the advantages. First of all, they, as you said, they're stupid and they're slow. They take a minus two to both intelligence and dexterity. They lose the ability to speak basic. They can understand it just fine, but they can't speak it. Them you know, they, they, I mean, just like Wookies. Um, and of course, arguably the most crippling thing, they are one of two species to suffer from the primitive status, right. which basically means you know that they, regardless of whatever class they choose, they can't use blasters, rifles, or heavy weapons at first level, regardless they have to learn those feats on their own, and that can just be very crippling, especially if you're making a Gamorrean soldier, which is one of the most obvious choices, you're you're cutting in half the soldier's benefit just immediately.
1: Right. So that's the only way that I can see their point, is that when you're trying to balance races and classes in, in doing Star Wars Saga Edition, okay, I, I understand this is not... This, there's no way I'd ever pick this race to build a character around because of the negatives that go with the race. But I wouldn't right. in, you know, even if I was in a full role playing capacity, I still wouldn't do it because they're just, you just don't see them do anything. So anyway,
2: yeah, well, I mean, and that's, and that's, and that's you, man. And there are, but there are players that do, but yeah. if you, if you want to play Gamorian and you want to try and balance this out, some things you may want to propose to your GM, if you're a GM, things you may want to house rule and may want to consider are just a couple options. Um, First of all there's two, kind of two kind of serious solutions you may want to consider. First of all, turn the plus 2 strength they receive into a plus 4. All right? When you compare a Gamorrean to a Wookiee, all right, physically in terms of the the racial penalties and bonuses they get, they're blown out of the water. If you want to play a melee powerhouse, there's no reason to play a Gamorian. Uh, so, you know, which is arguably what they'd be good at. Right. So, you know, simply turning that plus 2 into a plus 4 can make the difference for you and, and sort of that. put them on par. Right. And in addition, uh, you can also instead of turning that plus two into a plus four, give them an extra plus in con. That I can Uh, see. Yeah. Can you see that? Oh yeah. I mean, because I mean, if if you think about it, you know, considering the considering the racial build with you know the forty two defense bonus and the improved damage threshold, they are. It's clear that their their niche, their role in the universe is to be a meat wall. Is to be a tough, tough, tough grunt of a powerhouse. No pun intended. Right. Uh, So you know that plus two to con could play into it. Yeah.
1: yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, so I can see both sides of it, you know, coming around.
2: Yeah, but just a couple house rules you may want to consider if you think about, uh, you know, grunting it up as a Gomorian anytime soon. Some to talk to your GM about.
1: You betcha.
2: Yeah. And with that, I think it's going to conclude this fantastic episode, uh, episode six of the Order 66 podcast. And again, we want to encourage all of you to log on to our forums at uh, www.d20radio.com slash forum and uh, post your mind, Gamer Nation. Get it out there. Uh, email us. You can email us at the forum or PM us, uh, PM us as well um, or give us a call at our new number. And uh, with that, I would like to say peace, love, and good gaming. That's right. And that was me that made that sound. I'm sorry. What are you doing over there, tech man?
1: Oh, uh, you know, here it was. I thought I was running a perfect podcast, and then boom, all of a sudden, warning window. Mm. You know, anyway, sorry about that. But... Apparently, Gamorians aren't the only ones with a primitive status. Oh, that hurt.
2: Snap. Oh, I just can't believe I just said snap, but I- I'm going to leave it at that and just get off the air. <laughs> might as well. All
1: right, Gamer Nation, we will talk to you again next week. Special thanks to... Uh, Ardeth and Dirk, whose uh, real name's Andy and Dan, I'm sure you heard during that interview. Um, thanks a lot, guys, for joining us. As always, thanks to Screaming B, Thanks to Skype for allowing us to make this happen. Absolutely. And we'll see you guys on the flip side. Keep the dice rolling. D20 Radio,
3: where gamers roll
1: www.d20radio.com. This podcast and related websites are not endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited, 20th Century Fox, or Wizards of the Coast, and are intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. The official Star Wars site can be found at starwars.com. The official Wizards of the Coast site can be found at wizards.com. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, D20 logo, D20 system references, all names, pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and/or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited, Wizards of the Coast, or their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content on this podcast and its related websites, including graphical, textual, audio, and visual information, is the intellectual property of the Order Sixty-Six Podcast.